Hello, I'm Gavin Horgan, Headmaster of Millfield School in Somerset, the largest co-educational boarding school in the UK. Welcome to the Millfield Way podcast. Here, you'll hear from teachers, coaches and students from Millfield and Millfield Prep School. Millfield is traditionally different, and this is the Millfield Way. Welcome to this Millfield Way podcast in conversation with Karen Nichols. My name's Liz Webb and I'm delighted to be joined today by Millfield's Director of Golf, Karen Nichols. Karen, are you well and whereabouts are you today? Hi Liz, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm actually sitting in at home in my kitchen um, because we're on Etsy at weekend, so I'm taking the most of uh, the time away from school. <laughs> Yeah, excellent. And um, so today's interview is an opportunity for anyone listening to find out about you. Um, You've been at Millfield now for 31 years, um, which is remarkable Um, to talk about the golf programme, the facilities that we have for golfers at Millfield, and also to understand a bit about how you came to be working at Millfield. So and I know, Karen, you're one of the very few female directors of golf in the UK, and we're really lucky to have you um, at Millfield, inspiring the next generation of female golfers alongside the boys. So firstly, can you start telling me about your kind of background career and your uh, previous roles before Millfield, if you had any, because you've been here 31 years? <laughs> Thanks, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so I'm local to the area. Um, I was born just in Butley Village, which is like about two miles from Street. So I've lived all my life in Street, apart from when obviously I turned professional. Um, But basically I went to school in Street, um, unfortunately not Millfield, but Crispin, Hindhaze and Elmhurst. um, And so carried on from there. Um, I liked all sports. I played everything that was on offer basically, but I played county hockey and was a county swimmer. I took up golf through dad, really, when I was about age of 12 um, and realised it was quite a game that was frustrating, um, but it was good for the patients, if you like. So by the age of 16, I was playing off scratch and probably realised that I could, you know, do something with this sport. So I carried on from 16 um, until I was about 24, playing amateurs, playing really high level, like for the uh, the counties, England representation. Um, and then at plus three, a handicap when I was a member at Wells, Burnham and Enmore Park. So dad sort of said to me, he said, right, OK, you know, you've um, sort of had a nice time since 18 to 24, not really working. Um, what are you going to do now? So never really had the intentions of turning professional. So at 24, I thought, right, OK, come on, you know, you played plus three, you've played golf at the top levels. Let's turn professional. So I turned professional in the August of 1990. The first tournament I played on which was on the Ladies European Tour. So I was a member of the, the tour, was the Ladies British Open, start big. Um, so yeah. it gave me, you know, a sort of good experience. So that was in the August. And then in October, um, I was approached by Millfield um, to see if I wanted to do a bit of coaching the odd hour here and there. Um, and so I thought, yeah, why not? You know, I didn't have any qualifications of coaching at that time. So I explained that to the school, um, but they still gave me the role. So over the next three or four years, I would go into school, um, probably 10 hours a week, but combining that with playing on the Ladies European Tour. As time went on, the tournaments were few and far between. So I thought, actually, I'm liking the the coaching side more so than the playing side. 
Um, so school kindly sort of went to me and said, right, okay, we need you to be qualified like a PGA professional. So that's a qualification that takes three years. So it's now a degree actually. So it, I did that um, with the school's backing. And after I've qualified, school sort of said to me, right, okay, you know, we want you, now we've got you qualified, we'd like you to stay for a few years. And the rest of it is history, basically. Um, <laughs> 31 years later, yeah. So, you know, over the time, I've actually worked and coached alongside the Somerset County ladies, the British Army ladies team. I was involved as a manager of the England schools team um, for the girls. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I've had experience away from school, um, but as the roles changed over the years, you know, the golf has become more of a majority sport sort of thing rather than a minority sport at school. Um, the numbers have increased, so my role's changed. Um, and so really I've dedicated myself now to the, the programme at school. And you mentioned there at the beginning, your dad um, kind of was a, a key figure in your life in terms of golf. Was he your inspiration or was there anyone else that inspired you to um, take up golf? Um, to be honest, I think, you know, I know you go on in a minute and say about inspiration. Um, so I can answer that now for you, really, because I think my parents were probably my biggest. Um, because, you know, they supported me. They allowed me to go and play golf. And yes, during the winter months, from 8.15 till 5, I worked at Clark's every day. Um, in the winter from October through to April to finance myself in the summer. Hated every minute. It was in the accounts office. And I think that probably made me realise that actually golf wasn't a bad sport to sort of take a little bit more um, concentration on and dedication and see how far I could go. Um, and I soon realised, like I say, you know, the coaching side was more enjoyable for me because it's rewarding, giving some help to others rather than putting the pressure on yourself, really. Um, and so that's where, yeah, that's where I am now. And you've also already talked a little bit about um, the sports that you played growing up and, and um, the things that you did on a professional and personal level. Was there any other sports um, to mention and, and what kind of age did you really start to take them seriously? Right, OK, like obviously when you're at school, I think it's like with our programme at the golf, we encourage everyone to try and do another sport just rather than focusing on one. Um, so I think it gives you an experience of actually playing team sports. Golf is an individual sport. You're mixing with different age groups. Um, and so hockey and swimming, like swimming, I, I took up, like, obviously, like I was lucky with the swimming pool in the street. So each day I'd go swimming with mum and dad um, at his lunch times. Um, so I learned to swim early, got involved with swimming. And it's swimming is one of the hardest sports, you know, early mornings, late at night. Um, and so I, I was lucky, like I say, I, I reached a sport of swimming and hockey at levels like 12 to 13 county. And then the golf started to take on, so represented the county of golf from probably 14 upwards. Um, and like I say, from 16, 17, that's when I started to focus on the golf because I thought I could get something from that. So more time went into the golf, like the practicing, the playing, and the lower the handicap got, you know, opens the doors to actually play more tournaments. Um, and you were saying that, that golf has changed to be more of a participation sport um, with lots of people getting involved um, nowadays. Have you noticed over the years a change in the gender balance between boys and girls wanting to play golf? Oh, definitely. Um, probably in the last 10 years, you know, like I know I've been to school like 31 years, but when I first started, there might have been one girl in a matter of 30 boys. Um, whereas now, over the last 10 years, the golf clubs have actually opened the doors for women golf in general um, and Millfield, you know, and I don't know what sort of happened, but obviously girls started to become a little bit more involved with the golf programme. 
Um, and so, yeah, like at the moment, we've got 16 girls involved with the programme full time. So the full time programme is 36, um, even though we 60, see 60 plus students in this, like in a term. OK, full time golfers, there's 36, 16 of them are girls. Um, and so 10 years ago, if a girl was walking through campus with a golf bag on her back, you know, she had quite a little bit of stick given to her. You know, what are you? Golf's not sport. Um, whereas now, you know, it's, it's just looked, oh, right, yeah, they're going to play golf, you know, um, and we've got some very, very good golfers there. Um, so at the moment, the girls are slightly better than the boys. Um, you know, like we've got internationals at both boys and the girls. Um, and the boys are coming up, like, you know, and I'm not going to mention names because that's unfair, really. Um, but, you know, we're very strong. But, yeah, it's lovely to see so many girls are actually involved with the programme. That's excellent news. And the and the school's got strong links with um, quite a few different golf clubs in the local area. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, sure. We've got strong links with Burnham and Barrow, um, Enmore and Yeovil. Um, they're all championship courses, which means they've actually hosted national events. Um, Burnham is probably in the top 25, 30 in the country for Lynx golf. So Lynx golf, you know, is a sand based and basically the wind plays its part because there's not many trees or anything, you know, it's more sort of open and everything. So we're very, very lucky to have that sort of association with Burnham uh, because a lot of our pupils, even if they come from abroad, they haven't played Lynx golf. So it's really a good test for them. And Burnham and Yeovil, um, sorry, Enmore and Yeovil are very, very good parkland courses. So they get in the contrast of both courses. And we're very lucky to have all three associated to us and within 20, 25 minutes drive of the actual school. And with your um, wealth of experience that you've had, um, how has that changed how you coach um, pupils now? Um, to be honest, I don't think my method has really changed. Um, I'm quite a strong believer in that obviously the fundamentals of a golf swing has got to be correct. So if the students are listening to this, they think, yeah, I know what you're saying there. Um, because if you've got the good fundamentals, that's going to be a good base to the actual swing itself. So I don't think, to be honest, my method has changed. Um, I like to keep the swing very simple, uh, come over clear. And really, the main thing is, is if I'm going to understand it, I want the student to understand it. You know, it's no point in me saying all these technical issues um and they go back and they're lost so I've, I've got the tendency to pick out one thing in the golf swing technically that we actually work on but in my own eyes it's actually working on maybe two or three events or areas of the swing but the, you know the students only going away with one thought so mine is clear and simple basically but the fundamentals are the most important and would you say you have a, a certain philosophy of coaching um what is that and and who also works alongside you at school Okay, um, philosophy really is like I've just said, is clear and simple, uh, making sure that the fundamentals are correct and building that swing around because every golf swing is individual. But basically, if you can get the basics correct, you know, that's obviously going to make the sound base. So like Stuart Wells works with me and we've worked together for the last 16 years, which I think speaks volumes. Uh, we've got the same values. We've got the same interest in the, the you know the sort of the students we want the same for them we work with them as individual we're developing their games um and you know honesty we work hard we enjoy our, we enjoy our role um otherwise we wouldn't still be there um and we make mistakes and the students are going to make mistakes but it's how we learn from them that makes us move forward so yeah so i'm lucky to work with Stuart. and um, we've got a good working relationship um and like i say we're actually on the same wavelength which is really really important 
Excellent. Can you tell us um, a bit about how the golf programme um, works, Karen? And we've obviously got the new John Grave New Golf Centre. Um, how's that changed what Millfield can offer aspiring golfers? The year, um, whereas before we only had a very, very limited area. So inside we've got a 81 square metre putting green and then six training mats, including two teaching bays. And in the teaching bays, we use the sky track and the GC quad. And basically that gives all the ball and club uh, data. So the pupils can actually use their own iPads and keep all the data for themselves, which is really, really important. Um, and basically we have 60 students doing golf per term. There's 36 pupils doing it um, basically full time, which means that they have a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday session plus S&C session a week. And then they have up to three sessions or three individual lessons in a fortnight. So in those 36, you know, like I said earlier, there's 16 girls at the present time. And are you aware of anywhere else where students would be able to um, use facilities like you've just described? Yeah, there, are, there are other schools that have got facilities. Um, I'm not going to say they're so good as on campus because like with Millfield, the golf facilities, you've got the driving range, which is a five minute walk from campus. You've got the pitch and putt, which is right in the middle of the campus. Um, you've got the indoor centre now, literally, you know, on campus, just to the side by the, the cricket centre. Um, and you've got two main putting greens with water and everything. So I think from a school, we're probably leading the facilities there. If you go to golf clubs, you know, we haven't, like I say, other golf clubs haven't got the facilities that we've got. You know, we're very, very lucky. Um, and I think the students appreciate that. And how often um, would a, a typical golf student compete in a normal year? And do you go abroad to any competitions? OK, depending on the standard will depend how much golf they actually play throughout the year. Um, obviously, the better the player, the more they actually go off and play in tournaments. And that could be outside of school times as well, because the main golf season really is from April through to September. So what we look at when we're doing the programme, basically from sort of October through to sort of February half term is the technical side. So in that time, we actually have our fixtures. Um, so we try and get the majority of students actually involved with the fixtures. So we're playing all different standards. So it's not just for the top golfers. We actually get year nines involved if they're just starting the game. You know, we play other schools. Um, so our fixtures might range from schools level up to playing full men's teams at local clubs which include Beaconsfield, Broadstone, East Devon, to name a few. We go abroad once a year to play in the Millfield and Desert Springs team championships. So that's a tournament that we started with Desert Springs probably about seven years ago um, to encourage schools to enter teams of four. Um, and it doesn't matter the standard. Um, so that's over in Spain. So we go there every February half term for four days to play in the event. Um, and like I say, that is open to any level. So it's not just the top ones. So, yeah, so I think from the from our point of view, the golfers actually get quite a lot of experience playing throughout the months in term time as well as outside. And um, you already said that um, there's a strength and conditioning um, session for golfers to attend. Do you also work closely with um, the wider sports support team? Yeah, we've got a really good sort of relationship with those. And it's really important that the golfers you know, are doing the right movements and stretching because with golf, balance and flexibility is really, really important. So from us, you know, working alongside Graham and his team is really, really important um, because we want to restrict the injuries. 
So, and like with the physio department, if an injury do, you know, does happen, we've got the, uh, the physio department there that we can actually turn to. But touch wood, because the golfers are very good at doing their stretching and things like that, we are very limited to what injuries we actually see. So, but yeah, we've got a very, very good working relationship with uh, the departments there. Um, and with the new centre, you've said um, um, you'll be able to reap the benefits of that, um, hopefully in the coming year. Um, do you have any other plans for golf at Millfield? Basically, we always look, you know, we're getting more and more people involved or students involved with national level. So they always come back from training camps and say, right, we've done this, we've done that. Can we involve that with that? You know, can we bring that into the programme here? So we're always opening and listening to, to the kids that are actually going really, really big, you know, so they come back with different things. So from our point of view, we're happy with how the golf programme's going. You know, we, we make sure that Stuart and myself can actually manage the 36, you know, full-time golfers. Um, and so basically we will continue what we're doing, um, making sure all the students involved get the opportunity to get the best they can be, whatever their standard, and make sure they enjoy it. So, yeah, we're open to ideas, and it's the students that bring those new ideas to us because they're the ones attending national camps outside. And if they've got new ideas, we'll always try it. And if it works, we'll keep it going. If not, what we're doing obviously works. So we're great believers if, if it's working, don't change it. And for those golfers listening um, who just want to come to school and play golf all the time, obviously we have to remember that um, Millfield is a school and academics are um, first and foremost. Are there specific things that um, you would do to ensure that an athlete's overall timetable um, is being managed alongside academic commitments and um, other pastoral commitments they might have? Yeah, we're very, Stuart and myself are very, very conscious, um, you know, it is a school. So we're lucky that golf is part of the school and part of the timetable. Um, but we actually communicate really, really well with the house parents, group tutors, um, because it's out of our interest that the golfers are keeping up with the academics. Their well-being is really, really, you know, important to us. So basically, we don't want to overload them. So, you know, we start off and given them, it's like now we started a new term. So the full-time golfers would get a one-to-one -one once a week. Okay. And that, like I say, with the level that can increase to three in a fortnight, but we start off with one-to-one -one, um, twice, like twice in a fortnight, because obviously we want to monitor what they're doing academically. Some of them are going to struggle coming into a boarding school. So from our point of view, it's really, really important to make sure we're communicating with the house parents if at any time we see one of the golfers struggling a little bit with the academics or well-being, we'll actually reduce their golf program. So on a Wednesday where they would actually go to the golf course and it could be five, six hours um, by the time we come back and everything. If we think that's too long for them, we'll actually do a session on, on campus for them. So it could be an hour and a half. So that's giving them a little bit more time to catch up. Um, and have their own time as well. So yeah, we're very, very conscious. And I think, well, I know we have, we've got a very good relationship with the house parents. Now that sounds really, really good and, and reassuring. Um, and when we've got golfers coming in at year nine or lower six into the school, are there key attributes that you're um, looking for in those um, golfers? And is that different between year nine and lower six? And also, is it different if um, someone's applying for a golf scholarship? Okay, to be honest, we look at all students as the same, you know, whether it's a year nine or a lower six joining us or the odd year 10 comes in as well. 
Um, we want them to be honest, be themselves, um, to enjoy their golf, and then for them to be the best they can be, you know, um, not be swallowed up because Milford's a big school um, and we want them to enjoy it. And if they want to do other sports, we encourage that because, you know, it's important that they get the best from the school. Um, golf is very individual. So, you know, if they want to play football or netball or do a little bit of tennis and everything, we say, yeah, carry on, because I think it's mixing with the rest of the school. Um, a scholar um, and those that are not on scholars, we treat exactly the same. Um, we find in the past, if people know or students know that someone else is on a bit of a scholarship, you know, why are they getting something different? You don't want that. So we treat everyone exactly the same. Um, nobody really needs to know if they're receiving a scholarship or no, only the parents and the student themselves. So, yeah, we treat everyone exactly the same. Um, you know, and to be honest, like the honesty and everything. And we also want to see what they give back to Millfield. You know, it's not take, take, take from us. You know, they've got to show the commitment um, and they want to represent the school in the right way, both on and off the golf course. And so during your time, you must have um, coached lots of very talented golfers coming through um, who've gone on to do um, some great things. Can you give us some examples of um, those such students? Yeah, we're, we're really lucky, like um, just over in the last 15, because I, I think with golf, there's not an age limit, you know, so you could actually take golf up at 16 or you could take it up 24 and you could still make a life on the professional circuit. So if you look at the last 15 years, we've actually had quite a lot of success on different tours like the PGA, the LPGA, the Ladies European Tour, which students have actually gone. It takes a few years, you know, they leave us at 18 they might go on to American University. So the age of 24, you know, they're playing at the top level of, of amateur golf, like Walker Cup, Sol um, Curtis Cup. And so then they might look at going professional. So it's not until sort of like probably six to eight years after they've left Millfield that you might see them turning professional. Um, I know there's a lot of OMs involved with professional golf clubs and everything around the country or around the world, to be honest. So, yeah, so successful. Um, a lot of the students have actually continued doing golf elsewhere outside of school. Okay, and Karen, we're coming to the, the last question here. Um, if you had to sum up golf at Millfield in just three takeaways, and, and we've done this question with um, all the heads of sport that we've um, interviewed over the podcast, what would those three takeaways be? I think to be honest, enjoy yourselves and be the best you can be. That's fantastic. Thank you, Karen. It's been a real pleasure to talk about all things golf with you today. Um, thanks for sharing all the information about yourself and the golf programme. Um, and I'm sure our listeners um, and avid golfers out there have learned quite a lot about what's on offer at Millfield. If people want to know more um, about golf, uh, where should they look? Basically, they can obviously follow us on Twitter. Um, they can obviously get in touch with admissions at school. Look out for our open days. Um, and just or just get in touch with us direct you know love to hear from them excellent thank you so much karen i hope you have enjoyed this episode of the millfield way podcast in conversation with karen nichols thank you and goodbye